Welcome to a new episode of Comic Book Storylines. I'm Brian Sorensen. I also go by Bry the Comic Book Guy on Instagram. This week starts the discussion that will take a few episodes to cover. More than two, actually. It is one of DC's biggest and most important events, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Now, before we get to the crisis, something exciting is happening Thursday, May 4th for local listeners. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is coming to the Wonderland Theater in Niles, and we want you there. Go to Z943Radio.com, click on Contest. We're giving away four-pack VIP passes. you got to sign up now, and you have until Friday, April 28th at noon. Again, go to Z943Radio.com slash Contest. It'll be here before you know it. I'll be there as well. It's a comic book movie. Of course I'm going to be there opening weekend. Are you kidding me? So, this one is a big deal for me. This was one of the first crossover big events that I collected as, uh, as a kid in comics. It was 1984, 1985. I had just started getting into comic books, and I happened to have the original issues of this series. But I didn't really understand the scope of what Marv Wolfen and George Perez set out to do with this one. To break it down the easy way, DC had too many characters floating around. Worse yet, they had this thing called a multiverse. Multiple Earths at various points in times, dimensions apart, but they all knew about each other due to various crossovers and events that happened throughout the 70s and 80s in uh, DC. They were very different versions of different characters, like three Superman versions, one young, one current time, one older, like, you know, 60s-ish gray hair, if you will. Uh, One Earth had all the bad guys and one good guy. Uh, His name was Lex Luthor and he was married to Lois Lane. So right there, that tells you there's some interesting stuff going on there. So Marv Wolfen, who Wolfman, who was at one time the editor-in-chief of DC, he wanted to simplify things. 12 issues, a lot happening, make it all flow into one timeline, no more multiverse. It's going to be a heck of a ride. You'll also recognize a lot of the characters that we've brought up in other DC events. Some of uh, this is where you saw them for the very first time, some of which you've never heard of, which is okay. You know, there's a lot of characters out there. There's encyclopedias worth of characters that a lot of people don't know about. As with Avengers Forever, this is going to be covering only a few parts at a time due to the depth of what's happening along the way. So we're going to get right into it with Crisis on Infinite Earths number one. We see the universe form, but not just one universe, the multiverse. What should have been one ended up being many, is what's said. Each Earth is its own dimension, but connected somehow across the vastness of space. So one of those Earths, we see a massive white antimatter wave tear through its universe, destroying everything. One lone being is speaking. It's a character called Pariah. His powers make him appear and disappear on different Earths in the multiverse, as if he is to witness all of their endings. He's flying towards the barrier as everyone is trying to escape, which is impossible. He begins to vanish just as fast as he appears. He screams that another Earth is to be swallowed by the dark, and he must attend as he has hundreds before it. They're like, oh, that's kind of creepy. Then we see the Earth he's talking about. It's Earth 3. Now, all the different Earths have different designations. Earth 3, longtime DC readers will know this is the kind of a reverse of things. On Earth 3, most of the super beings are bad guys calling themselves the crime syndicate. So what you would have is the Justice League. They were the evil counterparts of the Justice League called the crime syndicate. They're basically the evil versions of the bad guys. Like Ultraman is the evil version of Superman. Superwoman is the evil version of Wonder Woman. Johnny Quick is the bad guy version of Flash and so on. So we see these bad guys, they're trying to save their Earth. And we even see them commenting on how they use their powers to make them the masters of their Earth, but they can't even save it. 
So they only have one superhero on this planet. Just one. It's Lex Luthor, who's married to Lois Lane. Yeah, how about that one? Yeah, didn't see that one. Then that was the 80s. Crazy, huh? So we see an origin of Superman mirrored as this is Lex Luthor and his wife Lois save their son Alex by sending him off into space in a capsule to spare him from the demise. You can see where this is going. They send him off, and the white antimatter consumes them. Pariah appears to the syndicate just before they get hit with it. They think he's the blame, but then after a quick explanation, they accept their fate, and poof, their Earth is gone. But before that universe dies, the young Luther child crosses over into Earth-1, which would be the main time stream DC universe. Uh, Earth-1 is the current timeline in DC lore. His capsule appears on the Justice League's watchtower, which is in space. And not too far from that is another watchtower glowing in space as well. There's a young woman named Lila on it. She's talking to a figure in the shadows. He says, it's time. He tells her she has to be ready. She knows what to do and who to summon. He says that he has studied all of Earth's many heroes and selected this particular group to face what is to come. She uses her powers to recruit them all uh, to come to this orbiting base. Uh, She lowers herself into this other level of the base and turns into this big ball of energy and shoots out into dozens of light bolts throughout space to all the different Earths. These shadow figures are also looking around and seeing what's going on as well. The shadow figure who sent Lila is saying that he needs the Luthar child now as well. He's important to his plans. So then we get to see a little bit, it's a couple of pages here and there, of who she gets to gather. She goes to Earth 1 and 2 primarily. Like I said, 1 is the primary timeline. 2 is like a past Earth that is in the World War II era. So they have the heroes called the All-Star Squadron, which was DC heroes back in the 50s and 60s. Uh, She gathers uh, a bunch of different characters. Uh, She goes to Gorilla City and gets their king, Solovar. She goes to the future and uh, grabs a couple of the legions of superheroes from the 30th century. Earth 2 is where she enlists one of the squadron, all-star squadron members, Firebrand. Earth 1's Blue Beetle and uh, the bad guy Psycho Pirate, which we saw his Medusa mask as one of the objects of power in the Justice League Avengers storyline. Then she goes back 45,000 years into the past and brings one of the characters, Arion, who is the ruler of Atlantis at the time. Present-day Firestorm and Killer Frost from Earth 1, who are normally enemies, but Psycho Pirate calmed her down, so then Killer Frost is like totally in love with Firestorm for a little bit. And these shadowy figures are all watching what they're doing. You see, like, in the background, you see these shadow figures kind of poking around, but they're, they're just a form. They're not, they don't have a face. Uh, Lila is called Harbringer, and she brings them all back to this base. Now, the one character, the shadowy character, says, Another Earth is already gone. Five heroes he was trying to recruit are already gone, so he's had to send five more of her copies to gather replacements. He also said something to make the reader wonder what's up because he said even though he raised Lila since she was little, he knows that she's the one responsible for his death. So you're like, wow, that's kind of cryptic. He uses some controls and a big flash of light, and then all the heroes we saw her gather and more appear in this common area on his satellite. We see Cyborg and Geoforce. These are characters from Teen Titans and the Batman team Outsiders at the time. An older version of Superman, so he's obviously from one of the future time Earths. Dr. Polaris, we saw uh, an aspect of him in the Justice League versus Suicide Squad. A bad guy named Simon, who's got psychic powers. Now, some of these guys know each other throughout the years of interacting. Uh, some don't know who they are, some they do. So the gathered superpowers are all trying to figure out what they're doing there, what's going on. 
This little cut scene shows the shadow figures. They're on that satellite, and they're about to surround him. Now, the character Simon senses they're attacked, and they're literally surrounded. Since these are all shadow warriors, but not solid, some of the heroes have a hard time fighting back. Now, even Superman is trying to rally them, and he's having a hard time. His punches are doing little good against it. Now, some of them without powers are trying their best to get out of the way. So after a brief fight, the one who brought them all here hits this little switch, and all the demons vanish. He steps into the light and begins to talk. He says, the attack was not planned. Don't bring Harbringer. All of the beings that she brought were his responsibility. He's the one that gathered. He calls himself the Monitor, and he has summoned them there because soon all of their universes will die. And that's just issue one. Issue two starts out on an Earth far in the past, cavemen times with mammoths and all that stuff. It's the character Commandy, the last boy on Earth. That's an older comic from the 70s. People will recognize him there. He's interacted with some of the heroes before, so he knows that there's multiple Earths as well. Well, he's walking around with a woolly mammoth, and he ends up seeing this futuristic city. So he runs and tells his family, brings him back, but that city is gone. But then we look into the future, and it's the 30th century, and that time frame of the Legion of Superheroes, which is in the future. Those woolly mammoths start appearing in their timeline. They try and gather them up, and then they all of a sudden vanish. Then we see Earth-1 as Batman is confronting Joker in his latest scheme. But something happens that we will see a few times in this. The Flash suddenly appears. Now, in this time frame in the comics, Flash has disappeared. Nobody knows where he is. It's been several months since he's been uh, gone from the comics. So Batman is like, wait, this can't be the Flash. He's disappeared. It must be one of the Joker's tricks. But then the Flash says his wife's name, Iris. So he's like, oh, so Batman knows it's him, but he's asking what's going on. He's been missing for a while. Where do they go to, to save him? All he would say was, the world is dying, save us. And he looks like he's getting older and frail, and then all of a sudden he just vanishes. So then Batman's like, what is going on here? We go back to the Monitor satellite, and he's talking to the gathering of Heroes More. He kind of explains what's going on to a point. He says, 1,000 universes have perished. The latest was Earth-3. It's an antimatter force that can shatter dimensional barriers that has expanded outward where it's destroying every Earth in its path. First, their planets will feel nature's wrath, and then it'll be too late. Some immediately don't trust the Monitor. Now, he's been around a little bit in the Titans comics. He was one of the bad guys in the Titans comics. So some of them are familiar with him, so they immediately don't trust him. So the character Simon tries to attack him, but he has his shield up. And then Hairbringer goes over to him and whispers, is he okay, to the Monitor. He says his foe's strength grows and his weakens. So right now he needs Harbringer's powers because he doesn't think he can tr control the gathering. Older Superman being Superman suggests that they listen to the Monitor, and if what they see is real, then they can save the universe. So then the Monitor continues to explain that he is connected to positive matter in the universe, but the more antimatter destroys it, it makes him weaker. He needs them to protect these devices that he's put on various Earths in various time frames, and he can use them to help the heroes close in to the objects of those periods and ward off more of the shadow demons. But he needs their help guarding those devices. When the heroes leave, Harbringer tells Monitor to rest, and her, her inner monologue says, I must now alert the other. I can't resist him, uh, and is, I'm forced to obey his commands, so now I must betray you. So we know whoever's behind the whole thing is huge. And there's a small cutscene where the guardians of the universe... 
the leaders of the Green Lantern Corps. They're sensing something's going on, but then they're attacked. This grand voice shows up from space, and it says they're too late. They won't be able to summon any more of their soldiers, which means the Green Lanterns, and blows up their giant Green Lantern that connects them to the corpse. So now any Green Lantern can't contact the home planet of Oa. So we're seeing Batman and Superman talking on Earth-1, because Batman's got to tell somebody what's going on. And here enters Earth-1's Superman, the current timeline Superman. Batman tells him about his encounter with the Flash, but then Pariah appears. He tells him that he's heard of how legendary these two are and he needs their help, and that their Earth is dying as many Earths have done before. But then all of a sudden, poof, he's gone again. So then Batman's starting to connect things because Flash said the same thing. Now, first, the first hero group arrives at the first device, and they're aided by Commandy, who we saw earlier, and a small band of shadow demons appears but is quickly repelled. The heroes continue to guard the monitor's device. Now, back on the monitor satellite, Harbringer goes to the Luthar boy, who looks very weird at this point. He's like, half of this boy is like the shaded dark and stars showing him, so he's kind of like a cosmic sort of thing going on here. And the monitor wants to see him. So then we go to Atlantis, where another one of the monitor's devices are. Now, Psycho Pirate is trying to trick the heroes into showing emotions, which, that's his bad guy thing. He puts on that mask, and he can control emotions. Like, say, if he wants somebody to laugh, he will make them laugh, but then he'll absorb power to make him stronger and everything. So he's trying to do that. None of the heroes are wanting anything about it. But then Pariah appears. So he gives his powers. He blasts him with his powers and makes Pariah laugh. So he's begging him to stop saying, please don't. Now the character Orion blasts him apart before any damage can done can be done. And in the heat of their battle, they're surrounded by this energy and Psycho Pirate is whisked away to this dark room. It's just, it's uh, just totally devoid of anything room. And there's a voice telling him he needs him, tells him his powers will do no good against him, and he must follow him to live. So there's definitely another figure going on here, another uh, bad guy in place here. Now, on the monitor satellite, he's frustrated that he lost Psycho Pirate because he was important to his plans. Then he tells Hairbringer that he needs to create the new Dr. Light. Now, the original one had died a while back, so you're like, who's this new Dr. Light, if you had followed the DC Comics at the time? So Pariah is warning the heroes guarding the Atlantis Tower that all of their Earths are about to die, and it's only a matter of hours before it happens. Now, Hairbringer is with this new figure who might be the same one that got Psycho Pirate. He tells her Monitor will fail, and he's stealing his strength. So this must be some antimatter guy that's stealing all of his strength. He says, universe upon universe has already fallen to his power. And Monitor is talking to her as if she was in the room in his, in his watchtower. And he says, though all of you I have gathered the universes still can survive. So he's trying to tell everybody, whispering to himself, I think I can still save everybody. So we get to issue three. We see the Monitor is studying that uh, Alex Luthor child. And he's asking, why are you testing me, Monitor? And he goes, you're an anomaly, positive and negative matter existing within one form. It's an impossibility. So he's running all these tests on him and trying to figure out what's going on, what happens next. And Luther is going like, hey, what are, you, what are you trying to do to me? Now, Harbringer is asking if he needs anything, and he's completely ignoring her. So she kind of spirits herself away, and she's like, does he know the truth, this even though I owe him my very life, uh, does he know that I now do the bidding of his enemy? 
So then she goes to appear to that enemy, and she's like, I have news about the Monitor, and Psycho Pirate's there as well. Psycho Pirate's kind of going to be his lackey in the, in the rest of the issues here, uh, so he's going to be constantly by this guy's side. Uh, Harbinger's saying, you can't use your powers on me, don't even try. And the shadowy figure's like, yeah, you can't do this. But he says, you must go destroy the Luthar child. The dead can't present any threat to me. Now go, go do as I command. Then we flash to Earth-1 in the future, because I said there's different uh, futuristic times and everything. So Flash is on Earth-1, but he's in the future. Now, he said he's been living here for a month, so that's where he kind of disappeared to. But he sees all these different uh, weather things happening that are destroying the future. And he ends up seeing the white antimatter wall, but then he tries to use his powers as he's done and, and different things, and he vibrates himself so fast that he can disappear and end up along dimensional lines. And then we go to the present on Earth-1, and the antimatter wave is starting to hit the New York City, actually. And the Teen Titans and the Outsiders, which is a Team Batman created of younger people, uh, they're all trying to help the crowds and everything, and they're kind of led by Nightwing at the time, Dick Grayson. Uh, and he's got other heroes trying to help as well. And then Superman and Batman come onto the scene and try and help and everything. And then they see the Flash. And it's not just uh, a vision of the Flash. Flash actually appears before him. And he goes, Batman, I've relaxed my internal vibrations enough to bring me back to this time. Something happened in the future. Everything's unraveling. And he's like, Flash, calm down. We need to get you. We need to save you. So Batman goes to reach for Flash. But there's this one character called Jericho. He's on the Teen Titans. He senses something's up with Flash, so he stops Batman from doing that. But then the Flash suddenly just rips himself apart and disappears and says, I tried warning you. And then we go into space, into the universe, uh, further along in the universe where the antimatter wave is, and you see the character Brainiac. Now, Brainiac is this machine type of thing that's been a Superman bad guy. He's kind of like the Ultron of the of the DC universe, if you will, only much more sophisticated. So he ends up trying to run away from this. He goes, you know, maybe I also need to help save this universe. I can't, I, my prime directive is to save myself. So he's kind of having a conflict of interest, like I need to save myself, but at the same time I need to save the universe to do that. So then we go back to the past, where one of the Monitor's devices is. Blue Beetle is there as well with Geoforce and a couple other heroes. And they run into some past heroes, but they're not superheroes. They're in the World War II time frame. You've got Sergeant Rock and his cast of uh, good guys in the war. And you've also got the All Loser Squadron, who, if anybody is familiar with the old uh, war comics, all of these characters appeared in the 40s and 50s. Sergeant Rock is a big deal in the comics. So they end up appearing in that time frame. So Blue Beetle and his guys are in the middle of like a Europe of World War II. So they try and convince the those soldiers to help them defend it and everything. And they... They kind of do that because Sergeant Rock is kind of a, a good guy and everything. But they end up being kind of too late because the Shadow Demons start appearing and that time frame starts fading away. Like the Wall of Antimatter starts crushing them and they end up fading away. Now before they fade away, like Blue Beetle's on the top of that tower. He ends up falling off of it, but Monitor saves him in the nick of time. You know, I'll, I'll, He says, I'll return him and the other wounded to their own time frame where they may await their Earth's fate along with the rest of their friends. So you see old Superman and Dawnstar, who is one of the, the Legion of Superheroes, 
uh, she's at a point where they're both at the another monitor's thing in the future. Now, their wall of antimatter is coming up upon them, and the old Superman's going, what, what are we going to do here and everything? What's going on? So they're all staring around, and then all of a sudden, some of them start disappearing. So they're like, okay, what's going on? Some of them are vanishing at will. Then we flash to another point in time, the old Wild Wild West. Now, this is where a lot more of the Western characters in the DC comics appear. You've got uh, Jonah Hex, you've got Batlash, Johnny Thunder, Nighthawk, all the Western heroes from DC. So they kind of brought everything in on this one. So you've got Cyborg, Firestar, and Jon Stewart's Green Lantern appear. Now, Jonah Hex is aware of the Green Lantern, so he's like, okay, these guys must be good guys. So they're trying to defend that tower against the Shadow Demons. Some of the Western guys don't last very long against them. Then Jon Stewart tries to use his power ring, and nothing happens because the Green Lantern Corp was cut off from their powers. So then that whole time frame vanishes in the antimatter wave. Then they go into the future, and you see the Legion of Superheroes. They're also trying to defend against a tower, but then the wave flashes over them, and you see them crash away. Now, right before the end of the issue, you see Monitor going, he, this is days away, out, and this is supposed to be days away instead of hours. So the Earths are doomed. Still, my machines are in place. My agents can do their thing. And then the last page shows Harbringer powered up saying, it is time for you to die. So you're like, oh, this must be it. So then issue four, this is the last one we're going to cover this episode. See Supergirl flying over Metropolis, and the antimatter wave is closing in, but it looks like it's slowly coming. And she goes and ends up on a building with Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, and they're kind of reminiscing about things and, oh, this is how it's going to end and everything. Then we flash over to another part of the Earth where this is actually a kind of a, a key issue. This is the one of the first three appearances of John Constantine, where he's talking about the occult and everything that's going on, and maybe he needs to get involved with what's going on. And you say, oh, okay. And then they talk about maybe Swamp Thing can help them as well. You're like, oh, wow, they're really bringing out everybody in this. And we see Pariah screaming. He says, it's happening again. There's nothing I can do. The destructive tide is coming. Why must I constantly witness this horror? Now, he's on another Earth. Now, he says this one's a strange one. It's a cosmic anomaly because there's no duplicates on this one. There's only three superheroes, and one of them appears. It's this King uh, Volt, and he's got his wife, Lady Quark, and their daughter, who is uh, Liana. We've kind of never... I, I am not a historic fan of DC, so these characters may have appeared briefly, but these are cosmic anomalies, so he's on an Earth that nobody really knew much about. So Pariah ends up grabbing on to Lady Quark. He's, she's the only one that he can save from that universe being destroyed. So we flash back over to the Monitor, and he's looking around, and he's going, You know what? My, my enemy's coming closer, and with the death of Earth-1, he shall gain more power. I must stop him. So he ends up creating that new Dr. Light with a freak accident, as most superheroes are created. There's a scientist that's working in some solar lab, and then the solar flare ends up coming and crashing into her facility, and she ends up vanishing, and they think she's dead. And Harbringer and Alex Luthor are both watching this all go on from the monitor station, and Alex Luthor is going, you know, something's going on with Harbringer. She's going to kill him now. Monitor told me what was going to happen, uh, I, my heart reaches out for her. Her struggles resist. 
the other one's calling and she's in pain. So this Alex Luther knows what's going on here. So they're at one of the uh, Earth Two is one of the last monitor stations. You got Firestar or Firestorm actually. Firestar's Marvel. Sorry about that. Killer Frost. And we see a bad guy called Vandal Savage, who has been in DC for quite a long time. Uh, if you've watched any of the uh, DC TV shows like The Flash and Green Arrow and stuff like that, he's appeared on there. So they're trying to stop uh, the Shadow Demons from getting to that tower. And they're kind of unsuccessful because this the Shadow Demons all merge. And they turn into this one giant, massive Shadow Demon and kind of surround that monitor station. But then all of a sudden, this new Dr. Light, she uses her light powers to kind of repel those beings. So the tower is kind of safe for now, but the antimatter wave is coming closer to all the heroes. And we go flash all over that Earth, Paradise Island, where Wonder Woman is, saying there's nothing that she can do to help. And Pariah suddenly is appearing at the monitor station. So he's with the monitor. Now the monitor says, greetings, I have been waiting for your arrival. And he goes, yes, I have been waiting for you for a long time now. And Pariah's like, who are you? I've been everywhere and seen everything before this. What's going on? And Monitor goes, you're aboard my home, constructed a long time ago, just prior to the day you were cursed. And then Pariah's like, wait, you know what's going on? He goes, yeah, I was the one responsible for your survival. You should have died, and yet I needed you for the greater good coming. So then Pariah starts getting mad at Monitor going, wait, you've made me suffer this because he's appeared and disappeared at every Earth's destruction since it started happening. So then we see flashes of the heroes trying to defend against the Monitor, uh, the bad guys, the shadow demons, and it's no good. You see the Monitor and Pariah are talking and Monitor's going, Earth 1 and 2 are set to perish next. They're, they're linked closer to all the other Earths. And then Pariah is like, why must all these people die? And he goes, you know, I'm trying to do my best. This is what we need to do. But before he could do that, Harbringer turns to him and he goes, I've been waiting for you, Lila. Do what you must. So she ends up blasting him with this huge bolt of energy, just totally obliterates him, his armor. He ends up falling down from his big tower that he's on in his satellite, crashing to the ground. Now, all of a sudden, she vanishes, and Pariah is left going, what's going on? Explain to me what's going on. How do I activate these machines? And then he's like, no, he's dead. What do I do? So he's looking at the monitor screens, and all of those Earths are dying. You see all the characters screaming in agony and slowly disappearing into the white. And the last page is all of their realities totally being consumed in light and fading into dust. So that's where I'm going to leave it for this episode. We've gone four issues in. We've seen who is involved, literally everybody, and we've kind of seen what's going on. But it's issue four out of 12, so you know things aren't done yet. So next episode will be issues five through eight. There's still a lot going on in this. Like I said, I could not do this one justice if I did it just all in one episode or even two episodes. This is one of the most important storylines in DC's history. So I couldn't do it justice doing it the way that it would be like rushed through. There's a lot of information. So if you're looking for these issues, you're wanting to know more about this, I will be glad to tell you all about it. You can email me, brythecomicbookguy at gmail.com. You can reach out to me on Instagram, however you want to reach out to me. Let me know if I can help in any way. So join us next time as we cover Crisis on Infinite Earths, issues 5 through 8 in part 2. Thanks for listening.